0: Peter, in his letter, you know, we know who Peter is, He's Simon Peter, you know, he's got moments of greatness in his life where he just was the rock and the moments of like defeat where he was like, Peter, what are you doing, right, Peter, just like you, right, just like me, just moments of greatness, moments of complete stupidity, but so real, so human, so like me and you, right, Peter. But God used Peter in a great way. Um, Remember, he's writing this letter, 1 Peter, and we're in chapter 1, we're going to kind of go to the next section, but he's writing to these Christians, remember they're, they're scattered, these are already Christian people, they've already given their lives to Christ, they know Christ, and now he's writing a letter to them to remind them and to teach them and to help them further along in their faith and in their knowledge of the word of God. As an apostle, he's like imparting to them truth, and these are Christians that are scattered all over the place, and this letter is, is to them, to help them grow, and these people are surrounded by stuff like we are, you know, idolatry and materialism and all kinds of corruption and stuff going on around them, just like we are, right, in our very world, in this very world that we live, it's surrounded by darkness, and in the midst of it, God, like, sends us truth to live in the light even though we are surrounded by darkness. And last week we talked about that in Jesus we have the most amazing thing in the world. We have a new birth into a living hope. Right? If you see it right there in the first, uh, uh, first verses in Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that we have a, and think about that, a new birth. Because the old birth wasn't gonna get us anywhere. The old birth led to death. The old birth was corrupted by sin. And we needed a new birth. And God sent his son to give us this new birth so that we have hope in Jesus. And we have this new birth into a living hope. And that's something to celebrate. I don't know about you, but when we were singing, you know, oh how he loves us. David over here, he he had a little extra punch going today, didn't he? I mean, he did say it was intense. He's like, he loves me. You know, he, he was feeling that. God loves me, not just you. Good for you. He loves me, right? He loves me. Mm, that's that's a little extra oomph, because you know when we realize that again and we remember that, that's just powerful. You just want to shout it, right? And just let the world know that he loves me. Well, today we're in verses 13 to 25, and 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 what we're going to learn here is that in Jesus we have a really tough call to holiness. Okay, and that's what he's going to talk about here. We have a tough call to holiness. In verses 1 to 12, he shared, like, we have this goodness, this like gravy grace of God that is ours in Jesus, right? That he says in verse 3, praise be to the the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his great mercy, right? Not in our sin, but in his mercy, he's given us this new birth into the living hope through Jesus and the resurrection from the dead, right? All this good stuff that we have in Jesus right there in those first four verses there, five verses. And then then he also shared last week, we talked about this, that there's a warning with being a Christian that if you're a Christian, beware. The devil is out to attack you, right? For a little while, you may have to suffer for being in the faith, but it will be worth it in the end. Right? It will be worth it in the end. It's like anything worth holding on to or worth saving or worth doing, you know that, that in the end it's all going to be worth it whether you're on a, a weight loss program or you're on a training or whatever it is you're doing, you're going through college or school. It, it may not be fun along the way but it's going to be worth it in the end and that's what he's saying in these verses that you are a Christian, you have a target on your back, you are going to be persecuted, you're going to be on trial and they're going to come after you, the devil's going to come after you, to you because of your faith, but it will be worth it to stand in the end. Amen? That's right. That's what he says to us. And he moves on though. He goes, he goes a little deeper. He goes really big, actually. Uh, we just get we're not even partway through the first chapter or the first, yeah, yeah, the first chapter of his book. And he like goes big, like really big, like for the juggler. Like he goes at you. Like in these verses we're gonna look at, it's like, like in boxing, they would call it the knockout blow, right? He's just going after us. He's like, listen, you're Christians in this world. You're called to a way higher standard than the rest of the world. You are called to a a bar that is so high that you're going to have to work at it with all your heart to reach it, not to be saved, but to be a witness in the world for God. To really represent God, we are called to this holy living so that we can truly reflect Him the best that we can. Right? Right? And too often we, like, settle. We settle for second rate. Right? We just, everyone else is doing it. And so we jump in. Or, or other people are doing it. It's so, it's so like, a, an ocean of, of, of stuff and pleasure and stuff around us. We just, we just give into it because it just seems like it's okay. But God, and God, Peter, in this chapter, is going to call us to, to living a holy life. Look what he says here. Be holy. Verse 16. Be holy because... I am holy. Wow. That, that's really the ultimate in challenges right there that God could throw at us. And this is early in the book of Peter here. He's like, God's given us great stuff. You have a target on your back. Now get ready for this. Be holy because God is holy. And that's like, whoa, that's huge. How do I ever do that? How do I ever get there? How do I ever even begin to be holy? How do I live holy in a world that is so unholy? And I know myself that I'm not holy. I know the stuff that's in me and it's not good, right? It doesn't reflect God. In fact, it reflects the world more than it will ever reflect God. I know how I think. I know how I react when people cut me off. I know. You know too, right? You know, you know. You're like, we love you. <laughs> right? Come on. Don't be don't don't lie here. We're we're in the presence of God. It's okay. He knows already. <laughs> he knows what you think when people do that to you. You know, I'm not holy. I'm just not. My natural reaction is really pretty competitive. <laughs> right? I want to get back, right? Right now. Right. But he calls us to be holy. Be holy because I am holy. Not, not try and do good. You know, he could have let us off the hook a little bit and said, just, just be nice. You know, just, just give it your best. You know, and everybody wins in the end. You know, your intentions are what matters most. No, he doesn't say any of that. We say that. We do that to make everyone feel like everyone's okay. He says, be holy. <laughs> be holy, that's a huge word. Hi, Trish. How are you, baby? Carrie? Carrie's in the house. Yeah. (laughs) Be holy. There she is. My bride. (laughs) Be holy because I am holy, he says. And he outlines here in uh, these verses, he outlines some ingredients that will promote holy. And remember, we're not talking about holiness to earn salvation. We're talking about holiness to be a light and a true representation of who God is in the world. Right? To represent him well. Not to earn salvation. You can't earn salvation. He, God makes you holy on the inside, right, by the blood of Jesus. We just talked a lot about that over the weeks before. The holiness comes in the blood of Christ. But we're called to live at a higher bar so that the world can see Jesus. You know, the world looks out at the church and it sees a lot of mixed messages, doesn't it? I mean, we are sending out as a church, not, not necessarily just us, but the world, in the world, the church that claims to be followers of Jesus, we are sending out all kinds of mixed messages about who God is. And what the world really needs to see is people who say what they believe and live what they believe, who represent God in the world. Not perfect people who have it all together, real people who are striving to be like Christ. That's what the world needs. True, authentic Christians. Right? Not fake ones. Not people who just say it and then they're out doing whatever the world does out there. But people who say what they believe and live it and and represent this holiness of God so that we can represent God well. Look what he says. Four attitudes that we need to activate. Verse 13, he says this. Therefore, with, look at it, with minds that are alert... That's the first one. okay. And this is something we have to do, right? Our mind being alert. Minds that are alert and fully sober. right? That's the first attitude that we need to activate is that we need to have our mind in the right place. right? Be mindful of Christ. Have the mind of Jesus living in us. How do we do that? We put the word of God in us. Right, We we worship God like we we did today. We worship him like we do when we come together and we grow in our faith and our understanding of who he is and what he's done for us and what that means to me and how it changes my life and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit living in me and my mind then becomes one with him and, and in tune with him and my mind becomes alert to the things that are of him, right? Which then allows me to see the stuff of the earth right, differently, I, I, I can identify what's wrong and what's false and what's lead, trying to lead me astray, and he says, and fully sober, that just simply means clear-minded or alert, ready for energetic action, <laughs> I like that, right, sober-minded, right, just a mind that is like, God, I'm, I'm just waiting on you, I'm living for you, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do whatever it is you want me to do, right, just a mind that's not, not thinking about the world and all the stuff of the world, but a mind that is set on Christ. That is like, God, I know I live in this world, but I want to have your mind living in me as I walk in the world. Right? That's different. That's different than just being a Christian. That's different than just going to church, because you can go to church and still have the mind of the world. But having a mind of Christ and being sober-minded and being, having a mind that's alert is saying, God, I want all of you in me. We just sang about that. God, all of you living in me as I struggle to live in this world for you. That's a battle every day, isn't it? I mean, it's a battle to do that. To just stand and say, I belong to God. We just sang that, right? I belong to him, all of me. I'm not, I'm not my own, I'm all his. I don't own me, he owns me right? That's, that's a powerful way to live your life. Look at who he says, the third thing, is this set your hope. Set your hope is the third thing he says. It's an attitude to activate. Set your hope on the grace, right? Set your hope on the end prize, the grace that's going to be given you, brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in its coming, That's this forward thinking. We're always, we know the end, and so our mind is on the end because we know that's where we're headed. And so anything along the way that doesn't line up with the end isn't going to come in here. I'm not going to let it in. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to talk like the world. I'm not going to act like the world. I'm not going to let my kids act like the world. I'm going to have my mind and my heart. Set on Christ. And my hope is fully set on the grace to be given me when Jesus Christ comes back. That's the intenseness that we should live in, right? Not to earn salvation. This isn't earning salvation. This is representing Jesus well in the world. That's what we're striving to do. Set your hope on that. Forward thinking that it's coming. And 14, the fourth thing is this, as obedient ch- children, right? Look what he says here. As... Children who live in the world obeying their father. Obedient children. See, that, that, that comes with this sense of effort, right? We, God isn't going to do it for you. He calls us in our flesh to line up with his life, to line up with his truth, to do everything in our ability to hold on to him and live our lives that honor him in a great way, right? In an honest way, in a, in, a, in a living in the light way, right? An honest life of, in Christ. Line up with his holiness. He says, as obedient children, do not, do not. You got to put effort into this, right? I got to put effort into this. Do not conform to what? To the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance before you were a Christian. Don't live that way anymore. Don't just let your life slide back into that. That's not where you belong. You belong living in a different light. You belong living in the holiness of God, in the holiness of his glory, shining on you and God working on you like from the inside out making you holy so that you are becoming more like him with your effort. Like it's God inviting you, saying, God, you work with me, I'll work with you and we'll help you like have victory in this world, over the stuff of this world, so you can stand and say, me and God conquered the stuff in this world that was eating at me and and bringing me down and and attacking me. And and we take some sense of like, like co-partnership with God in that. You know, that's what he wants. He wants you to strive at this. You be obedient. You don't conform. Verse 15, he says, but just as he who called you is holy so you be holy in all that you do see holiness can only be accomplished in Jesus amen I mean the the core of holiness in your life the forgiveness of sin that makes you okay in the eyes of God can only happen through the blood of Christ but what next what next is that God calls us to to whip our flesh into shape Get our flesh lined up with what God has done in your soul. And that's, that's that's us striving to know him, to love him, to worship him. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. In other words, Jesus says, I went first. Like I came to the earth, I lived the human life, I lived it perfectly. And I am holy, now come on, you can do it too. Walk with me. Walk with me, Jesus calls us to walk with him. He purifies us as we walk in him. And then he sets our our worldview. Look what he does next here in verse 17. He sets our worldview, and not just our worldview, but our eternal view. It's like if we will just grab onto the, the, the outcome, like the final outcome and where we're headed in the end, then everything we do prior to that will line up. It's like having that goal out in front of you, and everything you do has to line up with the goal or you don't do it, right? right? If you're trying to save for a vacation, or if you have a, a, a mission statement like we do, connecting people to, to Jesus and to one another, everything lines up with that. And our mission statement is, right, to bring people to Christ. But our goal is, is this, is that Jesus reigns in the end, and we want to reign with him in the end. We wanna, we're going to stand before him. Look at verse 17. Since you Since you guys as Christians, remember he's writing to these people, are scattered all over the place and they're believers in Christ, since you call on a father, you call on God and he judges each person's work impartially. He looks at every one of us as an individual. He doesn't judge you by your parents or by anyone else. You are going to stand toe-to-toe with God one day and you're going to be judged by the father. That's what's going to happen in the end. Right? In the end of time, he says, be ready for that. Know it's coming. That's where you're headed. Live out your time. Since you will call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear because you're going to stand before him one day. That's amazing, isn't it? See, what this does is it sets the big picture. This sets our big picture view, right? We understand what's going to happen at the end, and there's many people in the world who do not, right? Most of the people in this world living on the planet have no idea that they're going to stand before God one day. But you and I, we know that's true. We know that's going to happen. And so what does that do? That motivates, that moves us to living our lives, preparing for that moment when God says, Now is the time. We're preparing. That's what we're doing every day of our life. We're preparing for that moment in the end. It sets that big picture view. And these truths, what they do is they boost our motivation toward living a holy life. Not so we can get to God one day and say, God, look what I did for you. Not at all. But so that we can stand before God, give him praise and honor, and he can say, well done. Well done, my faithful Child, that's what we want to hear, like that we gave it our all to represent him in this world. That's why we strive for holy living, so, the people, so that the people of this world see God living through us. Furthermore, verse 18, he says, for you know that it was not with perishable things. What are perishable things? Everything that you own. Everything we're sitting in and around, and, and even the sound system, yeah, all of it, it's all perishable. Every bit of it. There is nothing you have that is not imperishable except your soul and your relationship to God. Everything else destroyed. Everything else will be destroyed. Since, look at what he says. You've got to really look at this. For you know that it was not with stuff of the world, perishable things, silver, gold, that you were redeemed Nothing bought your salvation from, and I love this, he says, from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors. We talked about this before, but that just simply simplifies the whole world experience, that it's it's empty in the end, it's rubbish in the end. Compared to heaven and eternity, everything that you are experiencing on this earth is nothing. It's it's perishable, it's going to be destroyed, it's the empty way of life. So, why, why then would we invest so much of our energy and life and heart and finances and resources in it? It's a good question, isn't it? We do, though. We do. We all do. We all do. We have to have a house. I right? got to live. Got to have a roof. Got to have the AC working, right? It'd be nice to have some water, like some plumbing. right we we have like we it's like you got to live somewhere unless you just pull up root up sell up and go live in a van under a bridge could you that Aaron's like yeah it sounds good (laughs) Aaron I believe you could pull it off (laughs) it wasn't with these perishable things that we all are so so like we we just love to have that you were redeemed Nothing like that bought your salvation. Verse 19, here's what did buy your salvation. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's what saves you. That's it. Nothing else. Everything else comes later, after this. Jesus, his blood, saves you. The precious blood of Christ. Why? Because he was a lamb without blemish or defect. See, God is calling you and me to holiness because Jesus was a lamb without defect. He was spotless, without a blemish. He was holy. And he calls us to being like him, right? To walking like him. Jesus, the one who rescued you, verse 20, he was chosen, look what he says, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, not for his sake, for our sake. Verse 21, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so that your faith and your hope are in God. That's the, Everything is in God. Everything is in Christ. Everything, nothing, this world can do nothing for us really in the end. You know, it's just stuff along the way, Right? Like we're headed to a greater destination and along the way we, 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 we encounter and experience stuff. But, but don't ever let that stuff grow on you. Don't let it grab you. Don't let it pull you away from where you're headed. That's where you're going. That's where God has called us. That's where the end is. Don't let anything like pull you off the path. Like even our families, even our kids. I mean, they're, they're God's first, right? And we have a responsibility to raise them for Christ, but even them, God comes first, right? He's first, they're his children, every soul belongs to him, they're not yours. They're only, you're only a steward of those kids. So do a good job, right? You better do a good job because you are gonna be held accountable for that. We're going to be held accountable for everything we have. So holiness is in Jesus. We are washed in his blood. But holiness in this world, it is a process, right? In the flesh, it's a process. Day by day, walking like in him, walking in the light in Christ. And there's a goal. Look, he gives us in verses 22 and 23, there's a goal and there's some key ingredients to the goal. And then there's this fruit that should show up If we're reaching the goal, right? If we're walking in these ingredients. Verse 22, look what he says. Now that you have, look what he says. You have, now that you have purified yourselves. What does it mean to be pure? It means clean, spotless, blameless, right? Pure and holy, that's the goal. Holiness. Holiness is the goal. He says, how do we purify ourselves? He says, now that you've purified yourselves, how do we do that? By obeying the truth, we line up with Christ and his word. We obey the truth in this world. We live in the truth. That's the key, right? That's the key ingredient is that we are obeying the truth, walking in the truth, right? And the proof or the evidence that you are walking in the truth and the proof that you have purified yourself is this, that you would have sincere love for each other and that you would love one another deeply from the heart. That's the fruit. Right? So the goal? Purified, holy, pure in God's eyes. The the ingredients is that we we obey the truth, we walk in the truth, and the result? We love one another. We have a sincere love for each other. And then that's the fruit that people, other people want God too, because of our love, because we obey the truth. And because we have purified ourselves in Him. That we're in Christ. And it it all results in holiness. Verse 23, for you have been, look what he says, born again. We've seen that before, right? Born again. You have been born again. That's that new birth into a living hope. You have been born again. It's a new life, right? It's a new creation. You are a new creation when you come into Jesus. Look what he says, though. Look what he says in these verses. Not of perishable seed. Again, there's that idea. Not of stuff of the world, but of something imperishable. Something that is not of this earth. Something that came from heaven, that came to the earth, that now bought you back, Jesus, through you have been born again, through the living and enduring word of God that's how you've been born again through the living enduring word of God that's it. God God's breath the word of God and the word became flesh and that person Jesus is the only one who can save you his blood washes away your sin everything else comes next. Everything. Doesn't matter what you name, it all comes after that. First and foremost, Jesus. In your life, the word of life, the enduring word of God. For, here's why, here gives you some proof. For, for all people, verse 24, are like grass, right? Does grass last long? No, not at all. Not if you are got a lawnmower. Right? All people are like grass and all their glory, right? All your glory is like the flowers of the field. How long do they last? Not very long. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. (laughs) You're connected to the word, you're going to live forever. You're looking for the glory of the world, you're going to perish, right? But the word of the Lord endures forever forever remember when jesus was tempted in the wilderness and in, in matthew 4 and and the devil was tempting him to turn the stones into bread and jesus remember what he said he says a man does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god we live we're saved we endure by every word by the word of god that's awesome right That's awesome. It's the word of God. It's Jesus who saves you. It's Jesus who washes you. It's Jesus who cleanses you. It's his blood and his blood alone that can do the job. Born again of the word, right? Of the word, the purifying work of God's truth, the living, enduring, all-powerful seed of God, the light of God living in you. The word of God is not a what? The word of God is a who? And his name is is what? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not a what. You're not saved by a a what, a, a written word. You're saved by the living word. Jesus is the living word of God, right? So our obedience to the word of God that became flesh. We are so, we are blessed beyond measure. And Peter's trying to tell these people, you are blessed, but you also need to Keep yourself in check. You need to be pay attention to how you're living your life. We have this new birth right into this living hope, and it's amazing. It's out of this world. We've received, though, this tough call to be holy, to live holy, to be in the world, but not of the world, and to strive to live our lives set apart for God, set apart for the Lord. Right? That's how we live. Totally set apart to God. Don't let the world get its grip on you. Right? And, and it's quite possible today that you're sitting here thinking, you know, how has the world, how have I, how have I allowed the world to get its grip on me? And, and there's no doubt every one of us in some way we've allowed that. Somewhere we've let, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, a root grab onto us and it's beginning to, to take root deeper and it's beginning to move us in a different direction. It could be anything. It could be money, our jobs. It could be our homes. It could be just all kinds of things. It could even be us, our self, our own pride, you know, our own ambitions, our own agendas, our own thing that we hold on to, and it's taken root in us, and, and we're, we're so consumed by it, we don't even, we're not even looking at Jesus anymore. It's got our attention, you know, and it's pulling us in its direction. Whatever that might be, I hope right now you'll begin to think, God, help me, Help me cut it off. Give me an ax. All right, let me chop that thing off. Let me just cut it off right now. Let me get rid of that out of my life because it's keeping me from living a holy life to God. I don't know what it is, but, but there's something. I know there is. We all have it. We walk in the truth. All right, we walk in the truth because God's word is truth. And when we walk in the truth, we're walking in Jesus And we apply his truth to every circumstance that we face. In verse 25, look what he says at the end of verse 25. He says this, and this, I love this because this is Peter. You know, he's writing this letter and he says this at the end of this section. He says, and this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word, verse 25, that was preached to you. In other words, when I was with you, Peter's saying, I preached this word and now I'm writing it. So you'll always have it. And you'll always remember that your call is to a higher standard in the world. That when people of the world look at you, they see some reflection in some way of God. Right? And that's the goal, is that they see the reflection of God in you. He's not done preaching, because when we get to chapter 2, he's got so much more for us. I mean, he threw the right today, but the left's on its way, so get ready. Okay? The question is, he called you to holiness, have you answered the call? Right? That's the biggest question for us right this minute, right now because God is like listening in to your heart and his word just said to you, be holy because I'm holy and he's now waiting for you to respond. Either I will, God help me, or you're just going to like, what would you say God? And ignore him? You're going to do something today. You're going to respond to this truth today When you leave here right now, in some way you're going to respond. You might just ignore it, act like, oh, just another sermon. I hope not. I hope hope right now you're saying, God, God, I want to to represent you well in this world so that at the end, and I know the end's coming, I can even see it in a distance. When I stand down there after going through all this or wherever I go, I want to hear, well done. Father, we love you so much. And you're so patient, God, with us. It doesn't matter how many times we've messed up. All that matters is right now. All that matters to you is what are we going to do next? Father, I pray that you'll help us. You'll just help us to surrender everything about us to you right now. And just let you have your way if we're holding on to things that we know we shouldn't hold on to, God, help us to let them go because you have something better for us. Whatever they are, whoever it may be or whatever it is, God, just help us to let go. Help us to cut off the roots that are pulling us in the wrong direction. And help us to want nothing but you because you want nothing but us. And we love you for that. And we worship you, God, for that, because you love us. You're for us. Speak to our hearts, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.